This is season six of the Team Roping Journals podcast, The Score, with over 2 million downloads. This is where Team Ropers talk. Today's episode is brought to you by Five Star Equine Products. Five Star Saddle Pads provides the ultimate protection for your horse so you can focus on what really matters. Visit fivestarequine.com to purchase the best protection for your horse. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hey everyone, this is Chelsea Schaefer. I just got off the phone with the one and only Jim Brinkman of the Pitzer Ranch. This is an episode that you all have been asking for for quite a while, and I finally was able to give you what you're asking for, because I'm pretty sure since uh, we started the SCORE podcast, we have had fans of the Pitzer Ranch writing in asking if we would talk to Mr. Jim Brinkman. Um, and of course, we, we were able to. This is the week before the Pitzer Ranch sale, so no better time like the pre- than the present to talk to Mr. Jim Brinkman. Uh, the Pitzer Ranch, as you may or may not know, was started by Jim's grandfather, Howard Pitzer, and now they run about 400 broodmares and cattle on the southern half of their ranch. Jim has been working on the family ranch his entire life. He works there with his children, and uh, he has been producing some of the best rope horses in the sport from the recreational ropers, the threes and fours, the whole way up to the horse that Chad Masters won the won the average at the NFR on. Jim has been around this sport since uh, since the sport started. He has one of the earliest USTRC cards, uh, and we've profiled him before in that regard. So I called Jim and bugged him before, uh, or as he drove home from Texas, he was picking up some horses in Texas and was driving back to the sand hills of Nebraska. So we had a little bit of time to BS, talk about the entirety of the rope horse market. And now I would like to turn this episode over to you. And here's our interview with Mr. Jim Brinkman. Driving along here, so it's, uh, I guess if I run into somebody and start cussing, you can edit that part out. We can edit mention. that part out, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, Jim, thank you so much for making the time today. I am. I, this has been a long podcast coming because we've had. It's not often I get requests for interviews because we talk to so many people that they usually assume we'll get around. But people, uh, the score has been around for six years, and I think for about five of them, they've been asking me to talk to you. So. Apologies that it's taken this long. <laughs> I wanted to know if you, to start out, could you give us a little background on your roping history? Where, where, how you came to team roping and, and your history in the sport? Uh, well, um, of course, my granddad was Howard Pitzer and had the two-eyed jack horse. And this would have been back in the, in the 70s uh, when I kind of started going to the horse shows with him. And mm-hmm. they all show, they all were showing uh, halter and pleasure horses. And uh, we were pretty good at that at the, the ranch. And I was, uh, I, I was a little bored doing that. So I'd go over and watch the ropers. And uh, I just got, got uh, oh, it just intrigued me. And then I, I was fortunate enough that uh, we, we started showing rope horses. And I had Billy Allen and Sonny Jim Moore to uh, kind of mentor me at the deal and they were two of the best ropers in the country at that time and uh and then we lived in central nebraska and paul tyranny was uh, raised about uh, i don't know maybe 70 miles from us and we had one of the only indoor barns kind of in the area 
And so he would come over in the wintertime when he wasn't off the rodeo and stuff and uh, rope with us there at the barn. So I was very, very fortunate to be a, a high school kid that uh, really didn't have anybody really in my family that roped, but I got to be around some of the best ropers in the world. And uh, it was, I mean, I, I basically learned an awful lot from all three of those guys. That mm-hmm. They were the ones that got me started. And you had um, one of the early U.S. numbers, right? I think we did a story a long time ago about some of the earliest U.S. numbers. Yeah, forty-eight, seventy-six. There weren't too many of us in it yet. Um, <laughs> I went to the I went to the first uh, open um, U.S. finals down there. They had the open open, and they had it in the in the lazy. E. It was. I think they used the whole thing. We came out from underneath the underneath the deck there, the underneath mm-hmm. the concrete, you know. And, and uh, you'd run clear to the, oh, they used to have the big clock in the middle, or, you know, the big clock in the middle of the arena, and you'd run clear to there before you even got close enough to throw at it. And uh, <laughs> long, long barrier. It was it was fun. We were roping up in Nebraska at the little amateur rodeos and the jackpots, and I brought down Warren Horner, one of the best healers from our area, and headed for him down there. But, you know, we were running a lot of uh, old 12-foot scores, stuff like that. We got down there. We were kind of. We were in over our heads a little bit, but uh, it was it was great fun, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know that's how you learn. You got to go compete against the best, and then uh, figure out what you got to do next. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted you. What do you remember about Two Eyed Jack? Were you how old were you when Two Eyed Jack was around? Were, what what era? I guess were were. You... Oh, he was he was uh, born in sixty one. I was born in fifty nine, so I kind of grew up with him. Um, <laughs> I was 18 years old and they'd go throw me on him and I'd go low figure eights on him in the barn, stuff like that. He was a very powerful horse, uh, probably 15 to might've weighed close to 1300. Like he was a big, strong horse, had the foot and ball to match it. And, uh, but he, he could change leads every other stride. I mean, he's very, uh, very handy on his feet for a big horse. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot. They ran the barrels at the Congress on him and, uh, they cut on him a little bit, roped a few steers on him. Um, he kind of did everything, and we used him on the ranch all the time. And uh, so, so he was a. That was just kind of that era. That's the way a lot of those horses were. It was just really fortunate that he was a halter horse, uh, or a pretty enough horse to be a halter horse. His his bloodlines actually, his sire came from the the reining industry was centered in kind of around Chicago at that time maturity and all that was back there and his sire was a great reigning horse sire and then his mother basically came off the sixes and she was a kind of a hancock uh gray badger two bred mare so he was he was bred to be a performance horse not necessarily a halter horse mm-hmm. he just had more more looks than most of them <laughs> yep now of all the great stallions that you all have stood over the years can you is the obviously to i jack put the program on the map or, you know, is what the program is most remembered for perhaps, but is there one that stands out to you as, as the greatest that that your program has, has stood? Um, so uh, I will tell you that watch Joe Jack, I think was the best horse we ever had. Um, he was faster, better looking, moved better than Jack did. And, could really produce uh, a great female. Um, the horse I liked the best, my personal favorite, was a horse called Mr. Joe Song. And uh, just because 
he was just kind of my pet. I mean, we we went all over and roped a lot and won a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, 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 whatever. You, you get a sentimental feeling for some of them, and that was kind of my deal. But we noticed, it didn't matter what we ride, got into with that horse. I always felt like I had enough wheels and enough talent and everything else that he could over he could make up for all my shortcomings. So I like that one an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Have you found over the years that the Pitzer Ranch horses have always been great ranch horses? Have you tried to take any of that out of them as team roping has gotten more specialized? Or do you think, are you trying to breed any of that great ranch work out of them for more speed or more, more cow or more performance? Well, you have to, you have to kind of stay with the times a little bit. And, uh, we, we were very lucky to have a really good base, a really good set of horses as a base. Uh, our old two-eyed jack type ranch horse program, so to speak, fits right in the uh, number four, number five head horse deal of what's right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's they were big and strong and gentle, and you could count on them, and they'd last for 20 years. You know, you could just – that was that was what we raised. And so – but of course you can't just sit there forever. So I've tried to cross a little more running and I've got a couple studs I'm experimenting with off the, off of the quarter tracks that, uh, some first down dash horses. And I'm trying to cross in there a little bit, maybe put a little more speed in. And, uh, and then of course we got the cow horse, the metallic Casanova and the highbrow cat horse, uh, that we're standing that, uh, Oh, it is just to make them a little, little, maybe a touch more, uh, left right you know like, uh-huh. like they can move left and right a little quicker so you can get a little more of a heel horse underneath of you mm-hmm. and uh now you try and do all that without losing what you already got and that's the trick that's the hard part yeah uh, the the old story is that you uh you cross a, a border collie and a uh, greyhound and you have now the dumbest cow dog in the world and the slowest coyote hound <laughs> and but you cross it back on a border collie one more time, and half the litter are actually fast cow dogs. Mm-hmm. And and so that's kind of the breeding program. You, you you bring in that outside line, and you try it, and you sort, and you sort them off, and you sort the best ones. And the next cross, the third cross, and the fourth cross are the magic crosses, hmm. where, you, you, where you get what you want. So how many mares, then, are you keeping... How many fillies are you keeping back a year to go back into your program then as far as, uh, you know, as far as broodmares? No, I suppose 15, 20 a year, something like that. Really? Um, yeah. We, we just, the, the fan, it's family run operation. Uh, my, 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 uh, son and my daughter's families are both there and, and, uh, you know, so we're all together in the deal and, uh, and I've got my breeding managers been with me for 40 five years or 50 years now and he's got a set of mares and my sister's got some mares there in her family so so all together with four 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 hundred and twenty maybe thirty mares all together so we we uh we have some options to we can kind of go experiment a little bit with this or that and try it out and still keep the base herd pretty pretty clean now tell me about your mare program what um what does that mare herd look like little bit of everything is it like a whole mixed bag or is there a very common look i guess in that herd you know i've had a lot of people come and look at it and they they say that we have a uh, uh, 
a definite type of a horse. Um, and, but, but bloodline wise, um, I mean, I've tried a lot of them. I mean, we've got a lot of different types out there. We've got the, the, all the eyebrow cats. We've got the, some of the little peppies. We've, we've, uh, you know, any of the cow horse type stuff, um, dual ray or two. And I've got a few race mares, you know, or I mean, some race bloods, political jesses and some first down dash kind of stuff. Uh, so we, we try a little bit of that stuff, the, the half bloods, I call them, and I'll keep those back for, for brood mares and then go cross back. Then we keep a base herd of basically inbred, you're supposed to say lion bread. Everybody wants to say inbred. Supposed to be a bad word. It's supposed to be lion bread, but it, it truly is. We, we've we've lion bred to two eyed jack lines since the late seventies, and uh, keep a base herd of those, and um, then we cross those out outside bloodlines into there on the second cross, and and that works pretty good. Um, the the inbred herd is very very consistent um they will just i mean they can pretty much i can tell you that he's going to look like this he's going to ride like that and that's just the way it'll be probably mm-hmm. six generations now of that mm-hmm. so we've we've got a lot of history there I, i've got a young stud that we're standing in horse named gold money judge and on i mean the stuff that we've ridden and proven and all that all the way through and uh but the bottom side went back to an old uh, uh, Pepper Hancock mare and and Oklahoma Star cross. And the top side is Oklahoma Star. And uh, that was my first kid horse I rode when I was eight years old. And hmm. that'd be five, five generations back from him. And I rode every one of those all the way up through that deal. So, so I kind of know what, what they're going to act like. Yeah, that's a lot a lot of mares to have a lot of history on, but it sounds like there's probably not a mare in that 420 that you can't rattle off some sort of history on. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot of history there and you know, we've been fortunate cuz my granddad started the deal and and uh he got I don't know, probably four or five generations of horses and I've got to do about that many more myself. So we we've, we've been able to the hardest part of the horse is just generational turnover. So slow that you, you can't really affect too much with your breeding plans. Cause it takes, it takes about three to four generations to get what you really want. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've had that, that luxury of just being there a long time with a lot of horses. And then as far as everything that it is like, for example, the, the many horses that are going to be available in your spring sale, what does their training process look like? Who do you have there starting them and, and what, what does that foundation look like? Well, um, we, we train, I mean, yes, we have a training program there at the ranch. Um, and, uh, we, we live in the, in the sand hills and it's ranch country. There's, uh, about 800 people in our County. So it, it, there's, I think the second or third biggest sale barn in the county sells 150,000 heads through there. So that kind of gives you an explanation of how much, you know, it's just cattle country. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the young guys in the area, if they live on a ranch, they end up working over there at our place sometime when they're about 18 to 25, riding a few horses, and uh, they kind of rope there and stuff. And then they go out and they uh, 
go back to their ranches and they take horses with them and they ride them and they bring them back and put them in our sales. So we've got a pretty good satellite program of young trainers and, and horses to, to kind of feed our sales. And, uh, and of course we do our own. I've got three guys there riding at the ranch and, and, uh, training colts. And then there's about three more of them that, uh, just kind of do ranch work, cowboy stuff. And so we, we, we make some horses too, you know, and, but it's, it's always a, I mean, I've showed horses all my life. I mean, mm-hmm. part of, part of the carnival crowd that way, but we still <laughs> go out. We still go out and and do ranch work. I mean, just uh, he's three or four years old, and he's sick of the arena, and it'd be a good time for him to go spend a week out there moving cows and stuff, and kind of get his mind right. And then you go back to the arena, and uh, the studs. We ride the <laughs> we ride the studs. <laughs> when we're moving cattle and we ride the, the mares and the gildings when we're running horses. And mm-hmm. uh, of course our, our horse work is, I mean, that's constant because we run a big AI program. So it's kind of like a dairy and we just, we get the mares in every other day and we do it all horseback. They chase them in and sort them the horseback and put them up in the stocks and chase them back to their pasture that night. And uh, so it's, uh, we, we do a lot of cowboy stuff yet. And I think people who don't run a lot of horses horseback don't realize how much of a good, like, I feel as if running horses horseback takes a way better minded horse than running cows. Like you, you said you use your mares and your geldings on the, when you're running the mares in. Yeah. You know, you get those, uh, overflexed reining horses that, uh, they got his nose stuck on his, on his, uh, knees and he's wanting to run off with you cause he, he, I don't know, they kind of get that overbent deal. Mm-hmm. You just go chase Go chase broodmares with him for a couple weeks. He'll get over that. Yes. He'll look a little bit more. He'll look a little more like first down dash going down there through there. He'll be right. have his nose stuck out and his head up, and you'll be pulling with both hands trying to hold him back off of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think when I uh, when I first met my husband and he said, "Okay, we've got to go run these broodmares in," uh, I did not have my hat pulled down quite. <laughs> On my barrel horse, I did not have my hat smashed down quite enough that first that first time chasing the broodmares. Yeah, <laughs> and if you think if you think you're going to go cut them off at the corner over there and turn them back, you're already late. If, if you had to think that long, you aren't going to make it. Exactly, <laughs> that's funny. Now, um, you have how do you decide which ones end up going the show route? Uh, is that something you can call pretty early on uh, when you see them in the pasture as, as as weanlings, or is that something that like when they're two and three, you finally start to decide that this one needs to go, go try to get some AQHA points or go, you know, go to the rope horse faturities? Uh, on the on the inbred horses, I can pretty well tell that about oh about sixty days, someone around two or three months, he'll look about like he will when he's four. And, and you can tell an awful lot right there. Wow. On the outcross horses, it's a little harder because you have to learn how, you know, they all grow different. Some grow maturely and some don't and stuff like that. So you kind of have to learn that cross a little bit. But you, as a rule, most all the, most colts will look a lot, at about 60 to 90 days, will look very much like you will as a four-year-old. Hmm. So you can tell a lot of body type stuff like that. And, uh balance you know i mean it it's a form to function thing if he doesn't have the right balance the right form doesn't move good he's never going to make it and you can tell that pretty quick mm-hmm. um now how tall he's going to get how heavy he's going to get some things like that you got to wait 
you know, and and, uh, and, and so you're he's about a long three year old to come and four before you really know for sure just where you're at. But mm-hmm. but uh, the, the movement and the balance that doesn't change very much. Gotcha. And you do a lot of the showing on them, but who else is in your like the higher end horse show program with you? Well, uh, we've got a really, really good uh, metallic cat stud that we're going to use for an outcross. It's with Clay Volmer down in, uh, oh, right down there by Weatherford, Texas. And uh, he won the Derby this year mm-hmm. and just come back to Eddie in Vegas at the Stallion Stakes. He won fourth there. He, he's a, he, he's, he, uh, if, if you go read the AQHA rule book about our, our, our breed type, he, he is the American border horse. I mean, he's he's wide between the eyes, got a little short ear. He's fourteen three. He's thick. He can move his feet. All the all the things short back, just like they wrote when they wrote the the breed standard. And uh, we're kind of excited about him. Clay's doing a really good job with him. And, and I've got a young man working for me, Colin Slinger, that's uh, showing horses for me right now. And uh, taking some down the road. We got uh, about three studs he's showing right now. And uh, doing a real good job with him. We're real close to making one of them an AQHA champion, and I think he's got two of the three qualified for the World Show for this year. And uh, mm-hmm. just try it a lot. You just got to go in her. If you're not there, you can't win. Yep. And so is that the Metallic Casanova stud? Yeah, the one that Clay Vollmer has. Yep, yes, that's Metallic Casanova. And so did you raise that horse, or is that one that came? No, you I was down at the uh, I was down at the cutting fraternity sales. Uh, and I saw him go through there as a two-year-old, and I just thought he was about the best thing I'd seen in a long, long time. And uh, but he was too high, and he's two years old. And there's so much left to prove on him. I I just didn't buy him. But I went and talked to Clay and the owner, and kind of told him that uh, basically, when they crippled him and decided they were done with him, I'd sure buy him from him. <laughs> Which they didn't, they didn't cripple him or nothing, but they did decide to sell him last year and they called me and I went down and bought him. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, there's just some, you just see some every so often that they just have the stuff and, and you just need to get possession of them, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if they'll fit in your program and that's kind of, I, I don't know yeah. how to say it any other way. I mean, I was brought up that way. We, we, uh, we try and raise nice horses when I see one that, fits what we want and then you just get possession of him and go to breeding on him and mm-hmm. it's and uh, make some good horses that's that's our goal well one that you raised that i remember standing out at the riata buckle was favorable intentions tell me about that horse and and his how he became a sire obviously you guys raised him but how did he become part of the program there well uh his his sire was uh was a horse we raised and it goes clear back to that same old mare I had when I was a kid horse, the old Oklahoma star mare. Mm-hmm. And, but his sire was the honor roll champion head horse in the nation. JDH showed him and won all the, you know, the most points that year in the nation on that horse. And that would be the sire of favorable intentions. Then his mother was a, was a daughter of Mr. Baron red. And he was the super horse, uh, probably back in the middle eighties. And I might get this wrong, but he was like uh, maybe reserve world champion calf horse placed in the rain and the, and the working cow horse. It was like sixth overall on the halter. And I placed in the 
can't remember. He, he was maybe, I think he was maybe third in the heading and placed in the healing up, but something like that. But anyway, he won yeah. the all around at the world show. And, and so that's the family line. Yep. And then uh, below that was an old mare called Rita's Orphan that was kind of a famous pleasure horse. And I can't remember all the stuff she won, but she was on a national level. She was a big winner. And uh, so that's the bloodlines of him. And we raised him there at the ranch, and he was a very, very cute colt. He's uh, very, uh, very much just all too high jack bred. And uh, so he's a very consistent sire, and he'll... He'll put a lot of look on his colts and improve a mare's, you know, balance and look. And uh, and they're pretty easy horses. They they fit the middle middle numbers in our in our team roping numbers. You know, they mm-hmm. fit right in those middle numbers very good. And uh, anyway, we went to Red Buckle with two or three of them, and and uh, they won very big. And, yeah. Uh, Jake Smith did a real good job riding the one horse for us. And I think he went went second in the open by just a little ways, and. Uh, really tickled with Jake for doing that. I won a little bit on the same horse in the Healing and about the, maybe the 10 mm-hmm. and Healing on him. And, and uh, there was another one there that did well. So, so it all comes together. We're going to take a break from this interview to talk about Five Star Equine Products. They are our sponsors of today's episode. Five Star's exclusive wool quality and craftsmanship has set the standard in the equine industry. Five Star's durability has been proven in the arena, on the ranch, and on the trail. Custom designs and styles to fit even the toughest of backlines, Five Star has a pad for your horse. And best of all, all Five Star Equine Products are handcrafted in the USA. Let us take the worry out of keeping your horse comfortable while you enjoy the ride. Customize your five-star pad at fivestarequine.com. That's the number five, starequine.com. As you've been talking credentials, you've been saying a lot of AQHA World Show stuff, which, of course, the up until just recently, those were the kind of things that we rattled off when we talked about rope horses. How have have your goals changed at all with the rope horse faturities and then with the Riata buckle as far as what you want to produce? We are in transition right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what it amounts to is that the, you have to get a record on your horse that is – basically held by the AQHA in order to, you know, to have him in the catalog, to have a record in the catalog or to verify it. That's always been the trouble with the rodeo horses is there's been nowhere that there actually was a written down record. Mm-hmm. Some of those were great or great horses, but nobody could ever find out because there's nothing you can go verify and check. Right now the AQHA is working very hard at uh, getting the records of the barrel racers, the team ropers, the rodeo guys, all that kind of stuff. We're trying really hard to get all that stuff put into Q data, the quarter horse data, so that we can get that on those sale catalogs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the fraternity data, all that stuff's going there. And uh, Jay just, uh, oh, Jay Wadhams, I can't say his name, he's American Rope Horse Fraternity. We just made him an alliance partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all that kind of stuff in, in the next six, 10 years, it's going to be very, very important. We're going to get that data in there. and Those horses are going to get recognized finally. And we're going to find a lot of these really good, say rodeo jackpot type horses that 
we're going to finally be able to find them and verify it and say that that horse actually won that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll change the industry a little bit. I, I'm all excited about it. Yeah. I'm wound up about it. You know, Danny started it last year with the red buckle, or and uh, that we got those that record put on the into Q data, and that, that's going to be such a big deal. Mm-hmm. So yes, we still we talk a lot about the old corridor stuff, but that's the stuff that you know was a while ago, and, and it's still important. We're going to still go to the horse shows, but we're going to go work the fraternities and do that stuff a little harder now too, because we can finally verify the data. Yeah. Now. People, I, I remember seeing Chad Masters ride some of your horses at the Futurities. Who who else, as far as I quote-unquote big names, do you have guys riding that your horses at, at Jay Wadham's stuff, at the Royal Crown stuff? Give me, who's who are your jockeys at the high-end stuff? Well, it kind of just depends. Chad did us a real good job. I had Graylin Elkins rode for us for the yeah. last uh, about four or five years. And did a real good job. He went out on his own this year. He worked for the ranch the last four or five years and did us a great job. And he's out on his own now. And, and uh, you know, they oh, they have to go make a living, and I never will pay enough. I, I'm a <laughs> cheap, old, cheap old rancher. So eventually they all leave me. But Yes. Uh, <laughs> I understand. <that's, laughs> but, yeah, we, we – uh, I mean, there's there's a, so many of those guys that are so talented. And, and truthfully – if you've got a really good horse, you, you'll get one of them riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Chad's horse, Cody, is that the most famous, like, rodeo horse that you all produced? Or are there other ones that I'm just not thinking of right now? You know, this is going to get away from me a little bit, too. Guy Allen had two two-eyed jackrabbit horses, a gray and a black horse, that he that he won a lot of his championships on. Now they were kind of second generation off the ranch. They were mm-hmm. horses we'd sold and then they went there. Uh, the old roan horse of, uh, uh, bridge skeletons was kind of a ranch bred horse. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to get in trouble. There's more of them than that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> we've been, it's been a long time, but, uh, yeah, Chad's horse was very, a very good horse. And, yeah. uh, you know, Fit, fit him at a, at a time of his life. And he, I mean, that was a perfect match at that time for those, for Chad and the kind of cattle and everything that was going on at that point. That was a great, great horse. And that sucker lasted, like, I think, was it two or three years ago that I did a story that he was still riding it? Like, he had busted him out and maybe Spencer Mitchell or somebody borrowed him too. Like, he was, st- he was still going up until recently. So, yeah, he might have been. I know he, he took him to, uh, maybe the first or second rope horse fraternity and, and helped on him down there. And, uh, that horse had to be 18, 19 at that point, I'm, I'm guessing maybe even air older. And, uh, but yeah. he's still a good horse. Still, yeah. You know, he's a warrior. Yeah. He, liked, he liked what he did. <laughs> yeah. He was a warrior. Um, now tell me this year's sale is coming up. Um, what are you allowed to say? Like, what your favorite is in the sale or is there something that you are so excited to see go somewhere? Is that, a, is that a trick question? <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got a couple, there's, there's a really nice set of horses this year. I think in the sale, we've got some real solid horses and, and a, a pretty good mess of them, but there's, there's two gildings in there that are both red, a buckle eligible. They're five-year-olds. They're out of a horse called Dukes and Divas that we stand at the ranch that I, I really like, uh, I really like Dukes and Divas. I, when he was about 
five or so. Well, it would have been the first Real Force fraternity. That's one Chad wrote. The Pretty Bay, I, yes. I remember Chad yeah, riding that one. Yes. Bay Roan Horse. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, I went from there to the, uh, I think they had a, maybe the U.S. Finals or something in the fall that year at Oklahoma City. But I rode him there for myself in the, in the jackpot. And, uh, and then we took him to the world show about the next week or something and, uh, made the short round, but it, I think we missed in the short round or something, the mm-hmm. show, but, but, but whatever it, it, uh, that's a very good horse. We've got two really good gildings in the sale out of him, uh, Bay Roan and a Brown Colt. They're, they're kind of special. And of course they're, we had a buckle eligible and you can, they're jackpot broke right now. I mean, they're ready to go right now as far as going to some jackpots. So it wouldn't take very much to have them ready for that red buckle. Yeah. What has the Riata Buckle done for for your business? You, you know, we uh, we put in a we nominated I think just about a hundred colts last year, close to that mm-hmm. in our and uh, and sold them as babies, and and it was kind of a new deal that people were not really sure about the Riata Buckle deal, but I think. It was like a two hundred dollar nomination, and, and I and I would say it might have returned. It, it, I mean, I'm thinking it made those colts bring from from five to a thousand more because of it, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, it seemed like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it's going to trickle down to the breeders pretty fast. Uh, right now, there's an awful lot of talk about you know if you've got a good three or four year old, boy, they're all about buying him to go to the to the red buckle, but it's. I think it's going to trickle down to the breeders, and and I really I really think in a, in about about two more years of this that uh, it will actually trickle into the like you'll be breeding mares because the studs in the Rietta buckle, mm-hmm. and you know and and Jay's deal is going to be a lot the same. Uh, I mean, I think all all these fraternity deals are going to sure. You know, the, the, we, in the in the old days we had the AQHA incentive fund mm-hmm. that was tw- twenty years ago. It's the same concept in a smaller smaller uh, level of, of participation money-wise but but uh people still like that stuff they like those added money deals and the being able to kind of say that they've got one that's special because he gels for this or that the barrel ratios have proven it you know with their deal it, it's a it's a good business model i think mm-hmm. yeah absolutely now, um, with the AQHA, you're still involved, or are you still involved on the AQHA and, and st- steering things? Yeah, I got about uh, almost four years now, more of it. Yep, I'm, I'm on the executive committee of the AQHA. I thought so. Tell me about that role for you. Oh, it's it's a the AQHA is a is a pretty big animal. There's a lot of things going on there. You know, we've we've got everything from Western dressage to to barrels to anything uh, you know roping i mean it, it goes all the way the pleasure we got every different type the, the thing is that the american quarter horse is ridden by everybody mm-hmm. in all the events i mean it, it, everything is it, it, uh scott myers past president sent me a picture of a of a uh jumping class in somewhere in florida yesterday and uh at american quarter horses in the jumping mm-hmm. you know and, and uh Anyway, it, it's a, like I said, there's a lot of things going on and, uh, it's, uh, it's our, our job on the committee, the guys and gals that are on the committee with me, it's our job to, uh, as, as it says, to protect, 
protect and preserve the registry and uh, gather the information and, and protect the registry. So that's our, our main job. And so we need to, uh, we need to gather up the, the rodeo earnings and the jackpot earnings and all that kind of stuff and try and get all that down so, so that we can help our breeders make decisions to make these good horses. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is, is that the, the biggest task for you right now is, is, is working on earnings with Q data or do you guys have, when you, when you all meet, is there like a thousand point list that you have to work through of issues that you yeah, guys are dealing maybe, with? Maybe, maybe, maybe 2000. Yes. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a, it's a, I mean, there's, there's a great big foundation that's, uh, got millions of dollars in it that's managed by the AQHA and of course just the business of the AQHA period it's probably a 50 million dollar plus business and uh so so there's a lot of just that kind of stuff that goes on and you know a lot of really good employees down at the AQHA that's one really neat thing about that organization is you go in that building and and there's like a family in there all those uh all those people I mean a lot of them that work there have come through the horses somewhere mm-hmm. people people that like horses they they seem to end up in the same places and uh it was it was interesting we had a deal there the other day and there was probably 40 employees that are working there that have been there over 25 years some of them they're up in the i, I think the there was one lady been there at all 38 years now and uh, they get there they stay there they take ownership it's their organization. They're going to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I work with Robin and Laura over at QData getting the rodeo horses in. I've been working to help them get the all the rodeo horse earnings in. And those ladies will answer you at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. They will answer you at midnight on Sunday night. They are not that I'm calling, but if I'm shooting an email off, they will get right back to me. They are very passionate, it seems like, about about yes. getting everything right. That, that's the word. Very passionate. It's it's a great organization. They're like all of them, there's there's spots. We have our problems. Way our phone system went down, and we we tried to put a computer deal in. It didn't work. We scrapped that. And got people answering the phone here about two months ago, and suddenly everything started working better again. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, <laughs> we you know we make mistakes, but uh, but we're trying hard, and there's there's some very good people that are working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that we should talk about, Jim? Anything else that's like that's top of your mind in the horse industry that we haven't gone over? I don't really think so. I, you know, I think it, I think we're in a really really good time. Yeah. Um, we are raising really good horses now. Um, there's lots of different ways you can go. You can compete in about anything you want to. The the level of competition just gets better and better and uh the horses are basically getting better and better um economically it's been really solid here lately and then uh, you know i think it's going to stay pretty good for a while yet anyway it looks good mm-hmm. we've went from in about the middle 2000s we were uh we were running about a hundred and forty thousand head of colts a year registered at the AQHA and it went down to about uh, almost 65, 70 at the low probably, oh, I don't know, 
probably about six, eight years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we're gradually working back. We're going to probably register 90 some thousand now. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if you think about that, the, the team ropers can probably use 40,000 of those just for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's the amount of, amount of uh, I mean, every team roper needs, he's got his old horse, he needs one, one young horse, and he's got one that's probably sore or something. So uh, he needs one more replacement. And, uh, you know, we still got to do all the cutters and the racehorses and the trail riders and everybody else. And I mean, we, we've got more demand than we're raising right now. And most all the other breed associations took a bigger hit than the quarter horses did as far as when the numbers went down. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's good times in the horse industry right now because there's a lot of demand. And, and I'm, I'm encouraged because I see a lot of people just having fun with their horses. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. There's a level for all of us to go play and, and uh, really enjoy ourselves. Yeah, it sure seems like it. And I, I'm, I've been flipping through this catalog. If anybody's listening to this episode and here's like a little click, 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 that's me flipping through. And it looks like so many of these horses do have people having a good time with them. Like there are lots of using pictures and lots of roping pictures in the catalog that you guys have for your spring sale. And I think that's a testament because sometimes there's just like, let's hope somebody once rode this horse when you look through a sale catalog or, or somebody faked it, but these all look pretty legit as far as people having a nice time with them. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to have some tears in the sale ring. There's going to be some little girls that have been riding that horse around and then, you know, or maybe some bigger girls. Yeah. They're going to feel bad when they sell their horse because they kind of really just love him. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a great thing when you buy one when the when the previous owner really doesn't want to sell him because they just kind of love him. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. That's that's going to be a good horse. Yeah, it looks like there are some really really cool ones in the sale. Um, and then you're going to have this many or more that sell in the fall, correct? Yeah, usually around the right around the tenth of December. I'm not sure when that Friday Saturday is this year. We will sell. The basically the same as the spring sale will have about close to 300 kind of rope gildings and mares and root mares and stuff. And then we'll add another 350 to 400 baby colts on there. So we'll sell about 700 and there'll be three, or three, three to 400 of those uh, baby, uh, oh, five, five month old, basically colts mm-hmm. that are sweet off the mares. So if you're looking and, for a prospect, you don't have any yep. excuse for not having one because there are plenty. <laughs> At least at the Pitzer Ranch. <laughs> That's awesome, Jim. Well, thank you so much for making the time for me. I appreciate it. I hope everybody got what they wanted out of this interview. I've never had so many people ask for an interview for, for so long, so there was a lot of pressure. But I think we we went the distance on <laughs> on all the different things and elements of the program that we need to talk about. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And, uh... We will see you, I'm sure, at... Uh, if not before the Riata Buckle, we will see you in November at the Riata Buckle. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll be there. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Again, thanks to our sponsors at Five Star Equine Products. Whether you need a work saddle pad or a pad to fit your unique style, Five Star has you covered. Hard to fit horse? No problem. Five Star has been successful in helping with the toughest backlines. Visit Five Star's website at fivestarequine.com. That's number five. 
the word star equine.com to customize your pad or correspond with their fitting specialist.